Right. <laughs> I believe that that is now live. That took about 40 seconds to go live. So hopefully it doesn't explode. Uh, well, welcome to episode 111 of the Mighty Whites podcast. I am Jack. As always, I'm joined by KC. Hello. The problem is, normally, of the two of us, I'm the one that does a modicum of research into stuff we're going to talk about, and I have just woke up. Uh, and which, I am lazy. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, most of this, we don't really need to go into in that great detail. Uh, we'll start with the annoying stuff from, well, it's last weekend now, was it? Yeah. Uh, West Ham 2, Leeds nil. Yeah. Uh, this was, I mean, I was going to say this wasn't great, Looking at the game as a whole, like balance of play wise and stuff, we probably we were we should have probably got a point out of this. Yeah, we did have the ball in the back of that twice in the first ten minutes. Yeah, uh, well, one of those I have, one of those I have no issue with being disallowed. Yeah, the second one was no point. I mean, Rafinha did he ran the ball out of play? It was it was out by a yard. No no worries on that one. But uh, Tyler Roberts goal. There's two bits of it that I'm really not sure on to be honest. Uh, obviously, cross goes in, it flicks off Bamford, maybe, uh, and Helder Costa is, look, without lines on the pitch, he's onside. But, to, to be honest, I've looked at a lot of images with lines on the field. He seems to be onside. Yeah, I did put a thing up on the Through It All Together Twitter, which says what I thought about it. It was one of those where I'm looking at it and I'm not even saying Oh no, it's definitely onside. But what I am saying is there is no way that the gap between those lines is the same size as the distance forward, the lateral distance between his left foot and his right knee. No. The only way his knee can be bent that far in that position is if his right leg is four inches longer than his left leg. And I am fairly sure that... Now, it is possible to play football like that. That's what uh, Garincha was like, wasn't it? But... Yeah. I am fairly sure that if he did have a right leg forward and she's longer than his left leg, we'd have probably heard about that by now. So, I'm, as I say, I'm not saying that it was definitely onside, because it might well have been slightly offside. But it was one of them where the lines do not add up. Like, getting rid of R wouldn't have made a difference. It got given offside on the pitch. So I'm not even saying, oh, it would have counted. We'd, we've got done. It's... It's not quite as bad as the Bamford one against Palace, because that one is a yard onside. Uh, but it was—I I, just—I would rather—I I would genuinely rather go back to just being pissed off at a linesman who's got one wrong every now and then. Yeah, I mean, I find it interesting that in this case, the the linesman's flag did go up at all. Yeah. Now, when, now, admittedly, my first reaction was. So by the time Costa gets the ball, he is about two yards ahead of the defender. So in, in real time, you kind of look and just think, ah, yeah, fair enough. And it isn't until you see the replay, you actually see how close it all is. And, and it was interesting to see that the linesman flagged that one. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, them flagging, it was after the ball went in the net, so the linesman didn't do it wrong. And in the end, he has technically been proved Correct with his decision, I I still think that it's that close. But it's the sort of decision that, suppose the way I, I hate this phrase, but the spirit of the offside law that is onside because he's level. Like he, he just is, but it was given on the field, so that doesn't really make that much of a difference. I just uh, I, I just don't like VAR at all. I I cannot. I I genuinely rather go back to having a few more incorrect decisions. Because it is, especially when I'm at home, now that we're not at games, Leeds score goals and I don't jump up like I did before. No, I, th I think we've said before, VAR, the only reason I can see that it has been justifiably brought in is, is because of the finances that are at stake. Because if it was about the integrity of the game, you would have to then start taking it into lower into lower leagues and stuff like that and, and it hasn't and I can't see it you know I can't see for a long time it going into the championship or anything like that um, yeah. 
I'm just going to ask you straight up, mate. Does my picture look okay on your screen? Because mine's uh, completely frozen. Yeah, you have completely frozen. Yeah, I thought I thought so. I think that my laptop's playing up. I should be back now. My laptop's being weird. Uh, yeah, it's the, the money at stake is part of it, but I just it is just yeah. ruining the spectacle. Like I say, as a, as a purely spectator thing, I don't know any like any way you can enjoy it when you've got to like you say, what if a goal goes in? Your first reaction is, all right, I'm going to look over to the referee or linesman to make sure it's gone in. Two, if it then goes to review, you sat there for two to three minutes whilst someone dicks around with some lines on a monitor and and that. And, and, it, and it does just detract from, from the spectacle. Yeah. Well, that's for complaining about that out of the way. Now we get to complain about Leeds United, which is much more... This we'd get to do anyway. Both of West Ham's goals, they're really shit goals to give away. Yeah. Uh, the uh, first one, Lingard running up. I mean, he, you know, he gets into a good position. I think it was Juventus gave the ball away, wasn't it? But I can't, to be honest, that wasn't the main issue here. Uh, Lingard running, not doing anything special. And Luke Ayling just backs off and then dangles a leg out. It's, it's a really poor piece of defending. I love Luke Ayling. He's a really good player, but this was poor. Yeah, the, the cynical part of you would say of Lingard, there's no way that should send you down. He he could have kept going if he wanted to, because it's True, not but... like he was tackled with excessive force. But again, as you, I assume you're kind of taught now as a player, if someone's going to make that contact with you, it is your right to go down. Yeah, so as, as, it's one as of those. Much... It's a it's a very soft penalty, yeah, but it is as a much penalty. as we don't like it. As much as we don't like it. In the same situation, you'd want Jack Allison to go down. No, not Jack. He's he's he's, he's the pure <laughs> in football. Is Jack? I mean, you know, we're playing Chelsea tomorrow away at Chelsea. If Ian Pereira chucks himself on the floor, Leeds get a penalty that can make it two-two because he definitely gets fouled. It's it. I've said he it for years. He definitely did. That was at Stamford Bridge, wasn't it? That was him. Yeah, that's what I said. That's yeah. what I mean. Pereira would get. Would Leeds get a penalty if Pereira chucks himself on the floor? And it, it, I've always said ref, diving is the fault of referees. And I still stand by it. It's annoying when they do it. But, you know, the, there's the egregious ones with no contact. That's the players. But these exaggerating everything and stuff, that has come down to referees because they don't give it when they don't do it. See, that it's, that's always one of those things. And I don't want to kind of harp on rules and VAR and stuff like that. Is this line that seemingly they can't do anything about where ah well we can we can review a decision on the field and, and take time to look at that, but you can't put a panel together and look at players who are clearly diving and punish them retrospectively. This idea of how and when we can make decisions and what about and things like that. Still seems very confusing to me. Yeah, uh, obviously, but you know, give away a penalty, soft one, but is a penalty. Uh, Jesse Lingard takes a shit penalty, really poor penalty. And right, do not get me wrong on this. The Melier saved the penalty, so that is good goalkeeping. But that penalty was so poor that I think Melier will be a bit disappointed. <laughs> I, th I think the daft thing with it is, is that if he ends up touching that like two inches to his left. I think it comes off his thigh and goes away from goal. Yeah. I also think if it's a better penalty, it can push it wide. Yeah. But the problem is it's such a poor penalty that he's, he's dived past it with his arms. Yeah. So his arms have to come back. And then he, he can only hit it that way. It's, uh... it's like a T-Rex <laughs> saving a penalty. Yeah. Uh, obviously Lingard taps in the rebound. I know that there have been, I think the square ball were taking make out of it, so there's no point getting into it. But I did also see tweets saying, well, as defenders need to be quicker to beat him to it, which, you know, Lingard has a 10-yard head start. Yeah, he, he's already in the penalty area <laughs> as it happened. And there's I'm assuming point. momentum's carried him forward an extra couple of yards at least. Yeah. Um, that one was annoying because it's a poor mistake and then a bit unlucky on top of it. There's nothing unlucky about Craig Dawson's goal. It's a decent ball in. And Uente, as he was all game, to be honest, because he got lost a few times, 
he just got completely done by a simple bit of movement and never got anywhere near Dawson. Now, Craig Dawson is particularly good at attacking corners and stuff. He is he's pr- probably as good as anyone in the league at that, but we made it very, very easy for him. And the header was very simple. Yeah. Yeah, completely unchallenged and and you can't be just you just can't be leaving people with that much room. Mm. So you know, six yards from goal or whatever it was, but it did it did kind of make me heart back to the days of of just leaving Pontus Janssen completely free to just go attack any ball. Mind you, that was normally near post, wasn't it? And this this would have cleared him. Ah, uh, um, he could he can move backwards. Yeah, uh I also, I mean, he was by, I mean, he was maybe 2% of the blame to the 98 for Llorente. I don't think Melier covered himself in glory on this one either. He tried to come out to get to it and just basically blocked himself off completely. But looking at where the ball went, if he had come out in a straight line, he wouldn't have got near it anyway. I will say this, this was the first game when I, when I sat there. Because obviously now you see a lot of, a lot of players putting a player in front of our goalkeeper. At what point is there obstruction? I've always because I quite I quite often did that role when back when we were playing. I've always said it's if you are standing still and just holding your ground, that's fine. It's if you start moving into them that it becomes mm. a foul. Like if if the keeper's pushing me and I'm just standing my ground, if anything, that should technically be a foul the other way. It's never going to get given, obviously. Yeah. But, if you're backing into them, like trying to take steps backwards to block them, then I think it's a foul. Right, because I think as soon as soon as the keeper makes a step, I don't want to say towards you, but if a keeper goes to step to the side of you and you follow them across, then that's a block. Yeah. That, that that's instantly block. blocking. And again, it's not something that that ever even gets vaguely spoken about at this point. Yeah, and we do. But I do, I do feel it happens a lot. Happens. I was going to say the weird thing with it is that then quite often a player will do nothing and a foul on the keeper will get given. Yeah. But it's, 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 I think it's because with those ones, I think that there's only really two sets of eyes on it. And I don't think that's enough in that situation to be able to watch all the players in the box take a, everything. I'd, so I think that that's why you end up with a lot of them on that. It's That's one of the times when the, the argument for four linesmen. Well, the, the other idea... Which I don't I, think we should do, but there is an argument for it. <laughs> I mean, the, the alternative is, and I think it would certainly help with sort of VAR offside decisions, is if you then have, as well as your two linesmen, on, on sort of the opposite two sides, you just have cameras on tracks that you have following the last defender. Because mm. um, I think one of the problems... Uh, I really don't want to keep talking about offside and VAR, is that whenever you look at the VAR offside camera angles, it's it's normally a bit... Si- yeah, like it's, it's a bit side-on, and it, especially when it's zoomed in like that, you have very little context to work off unless they happen to be on the edge of the penalty area, or the, the you see enough of the grass where you can kind of see the, the six-yard markings, but Whereas if you had that, you kind of had dead on, a dead on line at least. But, you know, I'm just here trying to fix the game at this point. Yeah, again, that's that's very close to what's wrong with the Premier League. So we're very close to stepping on square balls. Toes. Oh, by the way, con- congratulations to the square ball that won the FSA podcast. Jack, you've already ago. said thank you to them on Twitter. Stop sucking off now. I didn't say thank you. I said congratulations. Why would I thank them for winning an award? <laughs> They're not going to give it me. <laughs> uh but no, the um, as I say, with this game, there was too many. There was just too many errors. Both of the goals are errors. Obviously, we lost Dawson at a corner at the end at first half. He hit the post. They also hit the four nails at the bar from miles out, which would have been an unbelievable goal if it had gone in. But we also made errors at the other end, and we. It's been a while since we've had this this season, so it's not like when we had it last season and we'd start getting annoyed about it. But we saw a bit of the other Patrick Bamford in this game. Yeah, couldn't hit, couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, could he, in this yeah. one? Two great chances. The first one, really good through ball from Diego Llorente to play him through. And it's it, it's not a must-score, but you probably should. 
and he goes to like bend it round the keeper into that corner and just bends it wide. And it's on his strong foot with plenty of time. The sort of finish he likes where he's running onto it. Uh, yeah. It's like you say, strong, strong side for him. It's, yeah, he's got to hit the target. And I suppose if you're hitting the target from there with the keeper coming out, you probably score it. Yeah, I'd say that's one. Like I'd say it's more than a 50 50. You should, you, you should score, but it's not a must score. The second one, where Rafinha puts it absolutely on a plate for him, yeah, it's on his right foot, but he's unmarked eight yards out, middle of goal. That is a, that is a you have to score. Yeah. Uh, even if we get just one of them, you're back in the game then. Mm. It was a, as I say, it was a frustrating one. I mean, you know, we, we do need to try and remember that West Ham are like fourth in the league. I know, it doesn't, a, I know it doesn't feel like they should be, but they are. It's quite funny that, you know, we've lost 2-0 and 2-1 to them this season, a team that are as high as they are in the league, and it's three corners and a penalty. Yeah. Uh, we obviously we struggle at set pieces. There's no secret of that. But West Ham are also particularly good at them, and that, <laughs> and that just really, really does way, not go well. I did like the uh, the very quick change from Calvin Phillips taking a corner that got headed out to Rafinha going across. No, no. nah, mate, you need to do better than that. Which I, uh, although well, Rafinha's worked great no, in this game, either. I, to be honest, and. I wasn't particularly impressed with Rafinha in this one. The first half especially, I found everything that he tried, he just ended up running into a dead end. Yeah. You know, I think it, his, his passing never really got going. Um, every time he attempted to take someone on, it, it always seems to be one touch too many or, or just doing a little bit too much and, and kind of ended up breaking down. Yeah, I said similar in my play range for it altogether, actually. I, first half, I didn't think he got... But second half... He was much better, especially the first 20 minutes of it. He was the one like grabbing all that game and trying to really drag us back into it. And he was his most creative. He had a few shots. He was, he really did get going then. Yeah. So I, I was a little bit surprised, to be honest, that I, and I suppose if, if you didn't have the good performances that he had in the bank, it wouldn't have shocked me if he'd have come off at half time. And not, notwithstanding his, his actual ability, just, on that performance. Mm. Um, and I did feel Helder Costa was probably a little bit hard done to being subbed. Yeah, I think the problem, it's like you said, for Costa, Costa doesn't have the bank of previous to, yeah. like, to keep him going, whereas Rafinha does. If Rafinha has a 5 out of 10 first half and Helder Costa has a 6 out of 10 first half, he's still probably going to take Costa off. Uh, yeah. In Biscuit, it was the middle of midfield in first half that I really didn't rate. Like, Roberts got pelters off everyone. And... I agree that he wasn't very good in this game. There's games where I think he's harshly treated by the fans sometimes. This one, he just really wasn't at it. Uh, apart from the finish early on for the disallowed goal, he really didn't do much. And he he seemed to make the wrong decision over and over again. His passing wasn't great. But, and it doesn't help, obviously, if Roberts is having a poor game, if you're playing alongside him. But I thought Click had an absolute shocker. <laughs> Yeah, not not for the first time, and it, it, I think at this point the, the lack of depth at centre mid is, is really telling at the moment. I, you know, I don't think Roberts should be there, and it's one of the things that I, I'll always kind of forgive Roberts for. Is he's not centre mid? Yeah, I, and it, I know obviously he wasn't uh, he wasn't in the squad in the end, but obviously I, I think at this stage I would like to see Hernandez get a start, but. You know, yeah. what, what, were we, what were we left with for West Ham? But Jenkins would be next. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Rodrigo came on for yeah. Roberts. So he's an option. But you can't, play, like, say Click's playing badly, you can't play Roberts and Rodrigo. <laughs> that, that would be utterly ridiculous. Um, um, although yeah, it's going to be a bit different the, for the Chelsea game, which we'll come to. Yeah, I mean, the other option was was eventually was to, to move Dallas across again. and Which did help. Like, I can't. I, as I've said it a few times on here. If you'd have told me at the start of this season that I'd be going, Dallas is the one that needs to be in centre mid because he's the one that makes it work, I'd have been amazed. But I really think that's the situation we're in. Just wait to see how good we are when Adam Forshaw starts. Yeah, great player. Uh, speaking of centre mids, we probably won't have much to say on this because we don't 
really watch much French football. But uh, L'Equipe have been linking us with Romain Favre from Brest. Uh, obviously, that's where Vic- Victor Orta must be fancying the look at the French league because it's where it's Brest again. Romain Perrault, the left back that very, very heavily linked with to the extent that that looks like it's going to happen. Um, but again, his numbers look good from the numbers, which is all I've seen. I haven't watched any French football. He seems to have a lot of things that are similar to Click, but slightly higher. Uh, they they bought him for like four hundred grand or something in the summer, uh, and he played really well. So they've given him a new contract straight away. So if because he's just signed a new like four and a half year deal, if it is right, it won't be cheap. Uh, but, the, the the Ramon Nunes approach. Yeah. Uh, so as I, I, I doubt that you'll have much to say because I don't think you'll have seen him. But do you want do you want a really ill-informed take? Yeah, go for it. Ill-informed takes are what we specialise in. Yeah, I don't think we should be signing him just because he's Brett Favre's cousin. Personally, like I know the I know, I know the Forty Niners are, are, are taking over at this point, but I think yeah. we need to be making moves based more on scouting than than him having a famous last name ish. Yeah, that is a spectacularly uninformed take. <laughs> I, I am I'm pleased with it. He's not Brett Favre. He's his French footballing cousin. Yeah. I thought you were going to say he's a very naughty boy. Uh, <laughs> speaking of spectacularly poor decisions, Chris Wilder has been... It hasn't been officially announced as of 20 minutes ago. I'm just waiting for this to get walked back tomorrow. <laughs> but Chris Wilder has been sacked by Sheffield United. Not resigned... The reason it hasn't been announced yet is apparently because he is negotiating what his payoff's going to be. He has been sacked, uh, which is, I mean, hilarious, really. <laughs> There's no way around it. What an odd time to do it. Yes. Um, look, look, there is no way to, to, to sugarcoat the season they've had. It's been dreadful. It's not Derby dreadful, but it's been dreadful. Um, and 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 look, there there is there is a number of things you can look at. And the things I think that I've been reading today, it's, they've not been offering particularly competitive wages within the Premier League, even kind of for the lower end of things. Um, they were looking to get a couple of loan players in in January, and then that got cancelled because, by the sounds of things, the owner said, "Well, what's the point if we're going down?" which by the time January came around is probably a sensible financial thing to say. Uh, because there was no saving them by January. It was too late. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something to be said about at least trying. Like, at least trying to look, look, look like you want to survive. Look, Casey, I can't promise I'll try, but I'll try to try. <laughs> I don't think we had a Simpsons quote last time. So. No. <laughs> um... No, it just it, it, there was no point in this season when I thought they should sack him. I, I could not see the point. I think I think if they didn't bounce back next year, then yeah, you, you part ways. But th- there was nothing that said to me, given their approach to the tra- to transfers this this last year to eighteen months, that you can get anyone in with a much bigger profile that's going to attract better players, but. They're probably not going to pay those wages, or someone that is going to coach those players to be any better in in the short term. Well, I mean, they've got a fantastic coaching for we're, we're the rest of the him. season. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. I don't see the point in sacking him because I look at next season in the championship and I think who's the best man for the Chef United job in the championship? Chris Wilder. Yeah. So I I don't. He, know, he knows the club. He does. He does know the club and has a proven track record of doing well. Uh, as I say, I'm amazed that they've done it now. If it was him leaving, the time to do it would have been last summer when he'd have got a really good job out of it. Now, when he comes, when he does take another job, it'll be in the championship because none of the top teams are going to take a chance on him now. And he's shown that he can't turn it around a team when that's going wrong. So see, they, see I, I do look at that squad and think, well, oh, it's a championship squad, like yeah, there's <laughs> no doubt about it. The the only, the only questionable decision I I think in all that is that they decided 
to spunk a load of money on Rian Brewster. Yeah, who I think he, will be a good long-term signing if they keep hold of him. But yeah. for what they needed was was poor. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's one thing with the Wilder stuff. Obviously, they've been on about getting a director of having a director of football, and that's apparently one of the reasons for him falling out as well, because Chris Wilder doesn't want one. Because he wants all the responsibility. Well, if he's responsible for transfers, he's done a bad job of transfers. Yeah. Recently. I still think that he, they shouldn't get rid of him. There has been one thing with him, and this is this is not all that like analysed or anything, but you'll notice every manager that's really losing the grip on it starts saying really weird, stupid stuff in the press. And over the last couple of weeks, Chris Wilder has said a lot of weird, stupid stuff. Like when he was on about motivating his players the other week and he said, I don't care what sports psychologists or lefties have to say. And everyone went, I'm sorry, what? Right, I don't care what he is politically. By all, be, be whatever he, he wants to be. It doesn't, it, I don't really give a shit. But what the fuck has that got to do with anything? Like, has, has Jeremy Corbyn been telling him, no, you can't, you can't shout at your players in the dressing room? <laughs> like, I was just like, it, it was, it wasn't anything to do with anything else other than, does are you just losing your grip on what words mean? Like, because <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. And he's been saying a lot of weird stuff. And as much as I agree with him that the players aren't good enough, he has been coming out and publicly blaming the players, which is always a bad sign. Every time. Even when the even when you're right, <laughs> it's still a bad sign to come out and just blame the players. It's always the sign of it going wrong. Yeah, that's that that's not um a sign of being a socialist or liberal or whatever. It's um it's, it's basic man management, really, isn't it? Yeah, but he doesn't care about man management. He doesn't care what sports psychologists have to say. The sports psychologist bit I was fine with because that was relevant. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, if I were Chris Wilder, I would have been annoyed as well when Antifa started protesting outside Bravo Lane about his man management skills. Yeah. It was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was an odd thing to to come out, but um. At least that there is a man who has somehow failed upwards into a Premier League job. Yeah. Uh, I didn't bother writing a note because I couldn't bring myself to type out his fucking name. Uh, yeah. So taking over and in charge of the weekend is going to be Paul Heckingbottom. <laughs> How the fuck is he going to get to manage uh... a Premier League game? Wait, he did, wow. he did fine at Barnsley. He did well at Barnsley for a while. And then won like one out of 20 games, which got him the Leeds job somehow, where he failed miserably. And I'll tell you what, compared to, there's only Hocker Day that I'd put next to him. Like as much as Darko stuff didn't work, as much as all of it didn't work, I could tell what they were trying to do. With Heckingbottom, I had no idea what he was attempting to do other than, Four two three one. Hope Saez does something. Like, you know, it plays really, Lawrence Debock. Yeah, it was. He was dreadful. And then was it Hibs that he went to? And yeah, did badly by all accounts. Overall, and, he had a couple. Of, he, I think he had a good couple of them, but. And then we all laughed because he'd gone from Leeds to at least you know the SPL, which is still a decent level. To under twenty threes coach, yeah, and I think we all assumed, well, that, well, that's the managerial career done with. Yeah, and I just cannot believe that he's going to somehow, even if it's only two games before they hire someone better. Like, I cannot believe he's going to get to manage a Premier League game, because if he's managing a Premier League game, then. I should be able to get at least a League Two job based on, you know, I've, I'm quite good at football manager. <laughs> because I bet Paul Heckenbottom's not even good at that. <laughs> um, I mean, if he manages two games, one of them will also be an FA Cup quarter final. Yeah. He's got um, Leicester, he's got Leicester uh, at the weekend. And then Chelsea in the quarterfinals. That 
that won't be good. <laughs> um, oh, God. Although, if he does get it, if he does do it till the end of the season, East come to Ellen Road. Oh, he's definitely winning. He's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's written all over. Yeah, yeah. It and it'll be you know three xg to zero point one, and we'll lose one 0 Yeah, that will be one of those days. Um, but like, I cannot. That's the thing. If they'd have sacked Wilder. And immediately hired someone else. One of them were like, no, we've lined up his replacement straight away. We think this is the man for the job. I'd disagree and go, ah, well, at least this is their plan. This screams of, we've fallen out with Wilder. Ah, I don't know what to do. Ah, fuck it, sack him. Ah. (laughs) Just no idea. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, we'll see if he can beat che- if Heckingbottom can somehow beat Chelsea in an FA Cup quarter final, and we'll see if we can beat Chelsea tomorrow afternoon. Um, Spoilers: I'm not feeling confident about this. No, me neither, mate. Um, but they battered us in the first game. There's no way around that. It was was it? I know we've lost by bigger scores, but was that the most comprehensively beaten we've been? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, full credit to Chelsea that day. They they battered. Timo Werner should have had two or three. Hmm. Um, that was the one where he basically missed on the goal. Like, yeah, he basically cleared it off the clearance. <laughs> um, but yeah, to pretty much after we went in front, was it about six or seven minutes in, fairly early on? I think it might have been... Oh no, in my head it's earlier than that. I think that's because one Robin Cock down injured for a few minutes because that was the game he went off early. Yeah, he, I think he, that, he got subbed after, after the about, goal. I thought he, I thought he got subbed after about three minutes. Yeah, I'm not sh- sure. In my, I've got this thing in my head that Juventus played 81 minutes, so I think it was after nine minutes. I think that when writing something about Juventus at some point, I think I looked that up a few weeks ago. Yeah, um, I couldn't swear to it though. But yeah, obviously we had the great start with Bamford scoring early. Great through ball from Calvin Phillips. But after that, we didn't really get a look in until the penalty shout on Pervader that we mentioned. Sorry, just a, a random side note. I just uh, Googling Leeds v Chelsea. There is now a Major League Baseball player wearing a Leeds shirt. Oh, God, we should mention LL Cool J. Oh, yeah. Um, ladies love Cool James Milner. Um <laughs> It was it was that all leads like, local James. There's not yeah, I was gonna say um he's Eddie Rosario, who I, I'm not a baseball fan. I, I'm sure he's dead good at what he does. Um Ed, Eddie Rosario. Yes. Well, I mean, that will work perfectly. I mean, you know, Eddie we love Rosario. Yeah. Um yeah, he he, he got sent. A, a kit and yeah, unlike, yeah he's wearing. Like, he's wearing. Oh, can't give him yeah. that. Like but LL Cool J might not be particularly my thing, but I do at least know who he is. I don't know who Eddie Rosario is. Yeah, I know who like four baseball players are. <laughs> I know loads of baseball players, but they were all in that episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, and I'm fairly sure that they're all retired by now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's you know you go as far back as Mr. Burns did for the players he wanted. <laughs> the American League, the National League. <laughs> yeah, you can finish that one yourself. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my baseball knowledge does kind of start and finish with Daryl Strawberry. Yeah. So, well, and the reason it finishes with Daryl Strawberry is because it's Homer, Ozzy, and the Straub. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had LL Cool J with the uh, with the maroon slash burgundy shirt, depending on who you believe now. Yeah. After the was... after the official club quiz that did us wrong with the, what colour the kit is. Yeah, we um, it's one of them. Like, it's a uh, an odd thing to see but it's probably i mean it's quite good to get leads out there i suppose it'll have millions and millions of followers and it's in a market where we're not going to be as well known 
you know, it, there's a lot of obviously here it's not a problem. Most of Europe, to be honest, it's not a problem because it's not that long ago that we're in the Champions League and stuff. But in America and things like that, you do need to try and get Leeds' name out there. So it, I mean, it'll probably work. My my great hope is that when I get back to Portland, because that's that's where the base for uh, the North American headquarters of Adidas are, that I basically go in the employee store there and they are selling a lead shirt and I'll know we've made it then. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll be fine then. Uh, we probably won't be fine tomorrow, though, in my opinion. Uh... No. Tuchel has, has got them playing um, not the nicest football, but it's getting results. Yeah. Well, it's one of us. They had... We went into this season talking about how, with the squad they've got, if they're not in a title challenge, or maybe not a title challenge, but so comfortably top four, we said it'd be disappointing for them based on the squad because it's as it's up there with any squad in the league. And unfortunately, the thing that for them, the thing that was letting them down was they had a rubbish coach. Uh, they've got rid of the rubbish coach now and have a better one and look better for it. Uh, they, you know, they're defensively solid. They're not. Uh, they're not quite like a full-on low block. They do play more than that. Uh, but they play a three-four-three, so Leeds will be roughly four-four-two, which is the thing that's weird for the midfield when we were on about it before. Because whichever of Rodrigo or Roberts plays, and you'd assume one of them does, they'll probably be playing sort of as a second striker. Yeah. Which, to be honest, well, three to one of them, I think it kind of suit them a bit more. Mm. Um, I would hope it's Rodrigo at this point. Now he's had a bit I of a run out. I would that too. Um, the, the only saving grace looking at their fixtures is they have a midweek game against Atletico of Madrid and then the FA Cup quarter final. So put out the kids. Uh, that, that would be my recommendation to them. Yeah, although their kids do win the FA Youth Cup every year, <laughs> so they're probably quite. Look, you, you know, you get, I, I, you know, I'm guessing Jody Morris has gone. So uh, let's say Eddie Newton and let's uh, put the kids out. Yeah, um, I'm not sure exactly what their lineup will be, but it's a pretty strong team. Uh, I think Thiago Silva's still out, and the, is he still not playing Kante? Uh, I don't know. Because I think it's been Jorginho and Kovacic in the middle. Obviously, yeah. normally normally I would have looked stuff like this up, but as I've, I only got up 40 minutes before the podcast, I haven't really had time to. Uh, well, I mean, what are they now in their last few games? Beat I mean, Atletico you... Madrid, drew 0-0 with, uh, with Man United, beat Liverpool, beat Everton. Ah, so they only beat the whipping boys, Liverpool, then. Yeah, it's, it's easy to beat Liverpool these days. Yeah, you know, they're, they're a nothing side. <laughs> but yeah, against Everton, it was it was Kovacic and Jorginho in the middle. Yeah, so I think because it's been working, they'll probably stick with that. Like, back for the Christensen's come back in out from the cold and looking like the player he was under Conte again. Um, Aspilicueta will play right centre-back. Left centre-back will be Zuma or Rudiger. I'd, both of them are... I would say good, but not great. Zuma worries me more in terms of defending set pieces, just because he scored. Didn't he score one against us at Stamford Bridge? Yes. Yeah, and Rudiger's not by no means a slouch in the air, but I think Zuma's better at attacking the ball. Uh, I'm not sure if, like, I think that they'll because they're gonna. You would think that they'd see us as a team they can get at, so he might play Hudson Odoi as a wing back again. Yeah, and having really push on, and it'll be Marcus Alonso on the left, who having not played all season because he'd been rubbish. As soon as you go back to playing with wing backs instead of full backs, he becomes good again because he can't play. He's the only player I've ever seen who cannot play left back, and he's really good at playing as a left wing back. Ah, ah raise your Barry Douglas. Oh, um, I wouldn't say he was a bad left back. He just didn't have the pace for our system. He was a much better left wing back. Yeah. <laughs> um. Sorry, Barry, if you're but no, listening. The principle's watching. the same, but I don't think that the difference between the two. Uh, and then up front, it will be a three. It's normally quite a central three, though, with like Mason Mount, 
someone else behind Werner. Or they could do Mount and Werner behind Giroud. It apparently won't be Tammy Abraham because I think that he's just not getting a look in. So, you know, if, if they want to ship him off cheap, I wouldn't mind that. But, again, just going off the, the graphic for the, the Everton game, it was Havertz up top oh. with Werner and Hudson-Odoi. So, Hudson-Odoi played as, like, one of the tens? Yeah. So, yeah, you might have Hudson-Odoi and Mount behind Werner. I honestly, Havertz has been that underwhelming for them, which I don't think is down to him. I think it was down to Lampard. But I almost forgot he was there. And last season, he was one of the most exciting players in the world. Uh Guy, if they play like Havertz and Mount behind Werner, that's fucking terrifying. Especially if they're playing narrow, like who marks them? Because mm. you would think it'd have to be as fullbacks, but that means that we'll basically have four in the middle. And if it's fullback. And, Cal and Calvin's there as well. Yeah. Like you could, I suppose. Like, against Sheffield United, we almost played with a double pivot, didn't we? Yeah. And, like, dropped someone in. Maybe you play Alioski and you play Dallas and Phillips. Yeah. And I, th I think, I suppose while you've mentioned him, we should talk about Alioski as well, the, the rumours that he has turned down a contract with us. Yeah, I didn't, to be honest, I forgot to put it in because we sort of talk, talked about it when it first got linked about six weeks ago or something. Yeah. It, been linked that it's turned down a contract and that the likely option is Galatasaray, which I'm now starting to think is likely because it's the exact same story coming back as it was six weeks ago. Um, I said it at the time. I would be perfectly happy re-signing Alioski and having him in the squad. But if he wants like a three-year deal and a massive pay rise, it's probably not worth it. We need a better left-back. No, especially when... By the sounds of things, as you as you mentioned earlier, we are targeting a new left back. You know, yeah, that, that, that is a position we are there. actively going after. Yeah, like if we sign a new first choice left back, and then you've still got Dallas as an option to play there if we need him, and then you've got Leif Davis and Niall Huggins. To be honest, I, I, I assume by next summer Sam Greenwood will probably be a very good left back as well. The way he's uh, transitioning, yeah, uh, yeah. So that. It's 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 a shame because I'd like him to stick around for emotional reasons, but football reasons, I think for both parties, him moving on is probably the better thing. I think it'll get him a more chance of football elsewhere, more money elsewhere. European football for him as well. Yeah, I think it's it's probably the right move. I, I would like him to go anywhere else in you know, if possible. But he's he wasn't around at that point, so it's not the same as when Kewell did it. It's it's fine. No, I mean, if he I mean, goes it, there, he goes there. He has to make yeah. that decision for him and his family, and that probably is. Yeah, I mean, his association with the club starts... 2017? Well, I was going to say, what's 18 years after after that? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of those things. Like you say, I... If he could go to literally any other club, I would much prefer that. Yeah. Because um, I want him to do well. <laughs> yeah. But I don't begrudge him at this stage of his career wanting first-team football, which which we're not really going to give him. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Um, so we both, we both want Rodrigo, but do you think it'll be Rodrigo or Roberts? I think after West Ham, I think it'll be Rodrigo with a view to probably looking at taking him off after about an hour. Yeah, I think it's going to be Roberts, but I could see it changing at half-time. Um, do you think Harrison comes back in for Costa? I th yeah, I think I think you do. I, I think this one he has to. Yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately for, for Costa, he, he did, you know, he had those good appearances off the bench but it's he's not done anything in these these starts to kind of warrant it and I know Harrison's not been playing particularly well either but as, as we mentioned fairly regularly you get a lot more defensively out of Harrison so even when he's not playing well I, I think you get that more defensiveness out of him which I think for this game you'll need 
yeah, that's what I was just I was going to say the same thing. Hallison hasn't set the world light either, but they that I mean if they play Hudson Adoy as a wing back and bombing on, or if it's on the right against Marcus Alonso, or if they just play Reese James, who's also really good. Whoever they've got at wing back is going to be a real threat going forward, and our wingers are probably going to have to mark him a lot, and I trust Harrison so much more. Uh, I don't know who it was. I saw someone on Twitter saying, because I haven't had a chance to listen to many podcasts this week, me being on nights, although uh, I I believe that it was suggested, I think it must have been on the All Stats, aren't we, one it normally is. But I saw someone say it on Twitter, uh, the option of basically playing Dallas as a winger to mark Marcus Alonso. Now, I don't think for a second we'll do that, but I don't think it's the worst idea. Yeah, basically have him and him and Ailing on the same side. Yeah, and then play Rafinha on the left. Now, admittedly, that means that you're a bit weaker on one of the sides, but I don't mind us being weaker on the side that Rafinha's on, because if he loses his man, it also gives us the option to hit him if we can. Jack Harrison left back. Yeah. Um... Make, make it finally happen. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we'll do that. But I don't think it's the worst idea. I um, so yeah, I think that we'll probably end up with sort of Dallas and Click in the middle, and Alioski at left back, and two up top. Whichever of Roberts will be dropping off, but it'll be a. I must admit, I have zero confidence in this one. No. This isn't my normal. Oh, if I'm negative, I'll feel better about the game if we get something and stuff like that. If we could sneak a draw out of this, I would be fucking delighted. Yeah, it's now us playing a good group of players who are playing well. Playing well, coached well, solid formation, (laughs) loads of good players in the squad. So if they miss it, like Thiago Silva's missing, no worries, they've got loads of centre-backs. You know, a team that right now, N'Golo Kante is not getting in. Yeah. Who's one of the best mid? Who's one of my? I think the best midfielders in the world. It's, I mean, it's a shame that they wouldn't stump up the cash for Sheffield United to get him on loan for the rest of the season. I, th- I think that could have been a good move for Angola. No, nah, I wouldn't have got in ahead of John Fleck. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm struggling to to see how we line line up. To be honest, because. With, with them playing the way they are, Alioski starting doesn't, and you know, doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence either. Um, but but I do also think that having Dallas in the middle would give us the better stability in that area. Yeah, the thing that worries me is that if our fullbacks are having to tuck inside to mark, which I think they will. I trust Ailing to do that. Although I should say Ailing defending inside is way worse than Ailing defending outside. Like, yeah. He, he, so I don't particularly like that, but that's the argument for playing Dallas at left back. Dallas is far more comfortable doing that than Alioski. But then in the middle, are you going to end up with like Phillips and Click both dropping in? Because you're going to end up with a midfield too. Like Shackleton is fit again, apparently, but I can't see him throwing him straight in. He's not starting this game. No, I just can't see it. Even though with the energy and stuff and the pace and the way that he harries people, it it wouldn't be the worst idea. I just don't see it. So that Alioski fit, I'm kind of convincing myself now that it should be Dallas at left back. The problem is I want Dallas in centre mid and Dallas at left back. And to be honest, that idea of Dallas at right wing wasn't bad either. Yeah. <laughs> Can we have six of them? <laughs> uh, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll say we lose 2 0. 3 0. Yeah. I just. I'm trying to be confident. I'm trying to be this, optimistic, but. Uh, I just think it, the way Chelsea play, it's the exact opposite of what we're good at facing. The, these have these are good going forward with pace and the ability to exploit space and all of that. And also, they defend quite deep with a solid block and plenty of men back. They're like, they're like exactly the one thing, they're the worst thing for us to face, in my opinion. And have players who are competent at attacking corners. 
Yeah. And that's all you need to be. <laughs> um, the, the daft thing is, is when we do this, I, t I tend to make a lot of painstaking sounds of, and, uh, you know, I'm not feeling good about this. And the only good thing is that once the game finishes, there is there is still part of me this season that's just like, ah, oh, well. Yeah. That's well, are we, are we still... Are we nearly relegated? No. All right, then we're good. We're good. Yeah. Um, I know Fulham are, are making that late push to overtake us and finish tenth, apparently. But I, I have no worries if Fulham go on a massive run and finish tenth. It's the the, the six teams below us is that is giving me a bit more confidence. I also uh, assume that some of them have got to play each other at some stage as well. Yeah, and to well, be honest, if if they didn't, they'd have to play teams at the top, and they'd probably lose to them as well. So, yeah. well, that that looks like being the one last game of the season. It's Fulham and Newcastle. That could be huge. Uh, we will be back early in the week, probably. Uh, although, you, maybe. I don't know. It depends on what work schedules end up. I'm better early in the week, but I think KC's better late in the week. Uh, but Because the following game after this, Leeds then play Fulham on the Friday. Fulham, that's a much easier game. Oh, it's away. It's in London. Ah, oh, fuck. Sheffield uh, United after... Ah, uh, new manager. New manager bounce, going to his old club after an international break where all his players will get injured. <laughs> we'll say this international break is fucking stupid. Yeah, I hate it. It Although, just seems... if if my if my daughter could decide to be born in that international break, so I'm not missing out leads wise, that'd be great. Yes, handy. Yeah. Um, so I believe that that will do us. It's a shame we couldn't be more confident, but I, I cannot see any logical reason for any Leeds fans to be confident about this one. Uh, that was for episode 111 of the Mighty Whites podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter at Mighty Whites Pod, we're at MightyWhitesPodcast.com. The stuff we write goes up on Through It All Together, which is ThroughItAllTogether.SBNation.com and on Twitter at THIU, it's all LUFC. Uh, I don't believe that there's anything else we need to talk about, mate. No, like I said, I think we've covered all the key points, you know, terrible at corners, LL Cool J, and our impending fears of doom. Our impending doom. So uh, I've been Jack, see you. I've been Casey, have a good one. In a bit. As he pushes the button over and I, over again. <laughs>